This episode of CougarCast is brought to you by, you guessed it, our good friends at WaveformSleep.com. Waveform Sleep is revolutionizing the mattress industry with this technology where they put speakers inside the mattress. Lay down on the mattress, feel the resonant sound waves through your body. Woo! That feels good. Go check them out, waveformsleep.com. Uh, go find out more about this product and uh, sign up for that email list uh, so you know when you can get your new mattress. It's really cool. I have one in my house. I really enjoy it. So go check them out, waveformsleep.com. And now, it's time for Cougar Cast. Greetings, my name is Keith Schertz, and this is CougarCast. I uh, hope you're doing very well. Look at you, listening to CougarCast on Idaho State Week. Wow, I am humbled. Wow. <laughs> um, okay, look, a couple things that I want to cover as we talk about where we are with the BYU football team as we head into the home stretch. Three games left, bowl game is coming. Uh, Cougars will be going to... Hawaii to enjoy a little sun and play a game against probably Hawaii, looks like. Um, so that'll be if, yeah, yeah, anyway. So that is what we're looking at uh, kind of for the coming weeks. The big game, probably probably the bigger game, uh, the biggest game left to play is that San Diego State game on the road. That's kind of the next really big one. As you know, if you've listened to the show for a long time, I don't take a whole lot of stock in bowl games. They're kind of a unique, weird <laughs> thing that, that don't that, uh, carry more meaning maybe than they ought to. So anyway, we're, we're, the San Diego State game, I'm, I'm gearing up. I, I've been watching San Diego State. I'm ready. I'm ready. As it relates to Idaho State, I'm ready too. I've actually watched a Idaho State game and a two quarters of another Idaho State game. I've seen six quarters of the Idaho State Bengals. And let me tell you something, they're not that good. They're not that good. I watched the entire game where they played Montana and I watched two quarters of Idaho versus Idaho State. Oh baby. That happened in the Kibbe Dome up in Moscow. Yeah. I, I, I like I like college football. <laughs> And I like being able to know who we're playing, and I like being able to uh, share some of that with you guys. So, um, let's go back though for a second. Let's talk about Liberty. First of all, I thought that Liberty established and showed themselves very well. As always, it's always a big deal when you're playing a team who has put a lot of emotion and energy and like you know biggest game of the year for us type energy into a game. It's always tougher when you're thinking it as a business as usual. As usual, the the game against Toledo was tabbed as the biggest home game of the year for Toledo. Um, we were, we, you know, uh, a respected program coming in and playing at the Glass Bowl. That was a big, big game for that Toledo program. They treated it like that. It was another business as usual game, and you know how that game went. Same thing, man. This game out here when Liberty came our way and played in Lavelle Edwards Stadium was seen as a very big deal for that program. 
and meanwhile, it's business as usual. So I think that that's a lot of what you saw. I think you saw a lot of inspiration, a lot of try hard, a lot of everything from Liberty. And I think that BYU kind of just handled their business and did just enough. You know, the bigger thing about that game that I think you should be worried about is not necessarily worried, I guess. I mean, they handled it, they won, but you know when you watch a horror movie and the serial killer is out in the woods and you've cut off the serial killer's leg, okay? And then for some reason we don't, even though we've already violently cut the leg off of this person, we, we don't finish him off. We, we leave him in the woods and we go back into our house. As everyone knows, that's a mistake. You, you gotta you gotta finish him off before it's all said and done. What would have changed for the Star Wars Empire had Ewan McGregor, his version of Obi-Wan Kenobi at the end, when he had the higher ground, he cut off the legs, the man was all burned up. The most humane thing to do would be to put him away and, uh, and kill Anakin Skywalker. He did not do so, and uh, Alderaan is no longer on the galaxy map. So, big, big, big deal. Okay, you put people away when you get a chance. Speaking about that, putting people away when you get a chance, how about BYU basketball against San Diego State? Ugh, man. San Diego State let BYU hang around, and then BYU let San Diego State hang around, and the next thing you knew, the Cougars walked out of there with a loss. Same thing almost happened against Liberty. BYU continued to let him hang around, continued to let him hang around, and the Cougars had chances to really put this thing away and weren't able to just fully grasp hold of that. So again, you, you talk about the differences in motivation, what that game meant to the different programs that seemed to matter, and I also think that the the last bit is you, you take a look at what happened um, you know, on the field and allowing them kind of to, to linger. And to, By the way, man, that guy's awesome, isn't he? Gandy Golden, what a receiver, man. <laughs> he was awesome, man. He was really, really good. He's up there. He's as good as any receiver I think we've seen this year. He was awesome. Uh, so credit to him. Congratulations to Antonio Golden, or Gandy Golden. Um, I keep wanting to call him the Golden Gandy. Um, so there you go. I, I think that that's kind of the biggest thing. And I don't know. Sometimes that happens. You just don't have it. Uh, you, you're doing just enough. The Cougars are sneak by uh, with a touchdown win that happened on a on a trick play that almost didn't come a, together uh, between you know the hit on the uh, on the Micah Simon throw and the bobble with Matt Bushman and the next thing you know we're we're in the end zone. I mean it's it's crazy, but that's that's the margin of error right now. And and the Cougars you know, come away with it. The Actually, I have a third thing. I want to say this because nobody's going to remember this, but old Keith Schertz is going to remember this. And I think that you as a BYU fan should just file this one away. Um, I'm sorry, but the fact of the matter is, is calling the fake field goal when you're looking at a 46-yarder for Jake the Make to ice away the game and put you up two scores. That that puts the game away, right? You're fourth and two, 
and you can either take a 46-yard field goal or you can try to get the two yards, okay? Why on earth are we doing an option pitch play that maybe sees Jake the Make throwing the football? Uh, there's been controversy about whether or not that was actually they, they tried to you know explain that one away about well it wasn't it was a bad snap and it was <laughs> guys that was called that was a called play i promise you uh you just look at the motion and the movement uh that that occurs all right it's just the snap wasn't totally there but to, to bail on it that quickly and and everything else it, it was certainly certainly and maybe the snap was where it was because it was a called play that way I'm telling you that that, that that was the the design of it. There's a lot of things that you can look at to indicate that that's the design of the play. And I just have to tell you, it is absolutely wild to me that we're four years in to the Kalani Satake era, and that play call, fourth and two, you got Jake the Make back there. He's a solid field goal kicker. He's got a pretty good chance, you know, better than 50% chance uh, of getting you there. I don't know what your odds are of him completing a, a two-yard pass <laughs> or him running for it. I don't know um, what that is, but I, I got to say, I'd rather just kick the football, get up two scores, and get out of there. It was the same difference anyway. You didn't get there, and, and Liberty got the ball. So even if he misses, it was the same difference. But if he makes, you've definitely won, right? And I get that. If you get the two yards, you can take a knee and get done. But I'm just playing percentages here, and I just think that 46-yard field goal with Jake the Make is, is far more likely than uh, a snap to Hayden Livingston, who then pitches it to J Jake Oldroyd, who's then going to look for... <laughs> I mean, what are they doing? It was an ultimate... Like, when it happened, I was sitting, I was sitting and I, I stood up, and I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Okay. Now they won the football game and it ultimately didn't cost them in any particular way. Thankfully, because somehow Antonio and Gandy Golden dropped the football on that pass. He just straight dropped it. But their their drive was ready to continue had he hold on to the football. And then we've got 35 seconds left with Liberty across the 50-yard line. Like It could have gotten really bad really quick. And if that game would have went to overtime, everybody would remember. Everybody would remember that fourth and two call to go for a fake field goal play rather than just kick the field goal with Jake the make. Wild. Wild. And I was going to say, it is crazy to me that that isn't even the worst decision-making that has occurred. <laughs> we all know what the most obvious, terrible decision-making choice has been as a head coach for Kalani Satake. Um, fourth and 18 on your own <clears throat> 10, and you're going for it uh, with the fake punt. That was absolutely wild. Yeah. <laughs> And Johnny Linehan jokes about it on his Twitter all the time. Um, but I, I do want to just say that was an all-time dumb choice. All-timer. Like, in terms of uh, weird, dumb calls, dumb play calls, dumb decision-making choices. Like, before, what people would argue is like, well, the dumb decision-making choice would be to, you know, instead of going for one and forcing overtime at Boise State, we're going to go for two. 
and then we don't get it. Or instead of going for one, you know, and tying Utah and going to overtime, we go for two to try to get the win, and we don't get it. Um, It's like, you know, going for two versus going for one, things like that. Those choices, you know, there's a lot of merit to both sides on that one. It's like, I don't see anybody defending. I don't, why, who's defending the fourth and 18 fake punt? Leave that one behind. Um, the 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 field goal on fourth and two for forty six yarder instead instead of just trying to make ten points and then putting the game away <laughs> to to then go for it lose yardage and turn the ball over at, at the forty and give them sixty yards to go it was really that was uh, that was wild I guess the, you know I would I would have rather punted than do what we ended up doing. I would have rather taken the football and punted and trying to pin them, get them back, you know? So there, there, there was a, I thought that that was insane. That was absolutely crazy. We're going to, most people are going to forget that play. I will not. I hope you don't either. It's just a thing to kind of file away of like, geez, <laughs> things get wacky from time to time. Sometimes we're overthinking things and we're getting too, uh, aggressive. And I think that that's sort of, <clears throat> you know, uh, after his first season as the head coach at BYU, ESPN tried a thing during the uh, national championship game where they had a bunch of coaches watching the national championship game and kind of talking the, their way through it as, as college coaches. Uh, so like Matt rule was there and Kalani Satake was there. And, um, oh, geez, there was a, there's a couple others, um, but they, they were busy talking about the thing. And, you know, it, it, the main thing I learned from watching that was Kalani just kept saying like, oh, they should onside it. And he kept, he kept trying to draw up like these crazy scenarios of like, try, try this and try that. He's, he's not Rick risk adverse, which is, which is fine. Um, there's a part of me that's like, that's great. That's really fun. But to me, it's about time and scenario and, and like when to when to give it a rip, you know, um, and and to try to make different things kind of happen. So, again, think about it. You know, I mean, uh, we're a drop pass by Antonio Gandy Golden at the, on that final drive. And we're a uh, if it's not for Isaiah Kafusi and his excellent work on kickoff coverage and being heads up and getting that onside kick, if it wasn't for him being sure-handed and reading it and going and grabbing that football. I mean, maybe Liberty gets the ball there. It's like, those are those two plays, the, the stupid, the stupid fourth and two and not getting it. And then having, <laughs> and then having Antonio Gandy golden drop the football. And then the last one is Isaiah Kafusi's job, um, getting that onside kick. And then I guess the third one would be the trick play where Micah Simon hit Matt Bushman for a touchdown. Th- those are like, kind of that sum up the game. And in, in each of those instances, BYU got the break and, you know, they ended up with the seven point win. So that that's, that's good. They ended up getting the breaks, the ball bounced the right way. They made the plays. Liberty did not. And that, that's what the foot, you know, that's what sports the whole thing. That's what it's about. I, I just, I just find myself going like, man, I, I just, I don't like the idea that it came down to those sort of plays when it comes to beating Liberty, who's uh, uh, you know only two years old as a Division One top level FBS football program, 
Um, but I respect Liberty. I do. I think that they have a, uh, 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 some things in place there. And I think that, uh, I think that obviously they play decent football. Um, who knows how many of their wins this year will get vacated because, you know, Hugh Freeze. Um, so there you go. That's kind of my, my review of kind of what we had last week. That was much longer than I thought it would be. Uh, but, uh, when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about Idaho State. The Idaho State Bengals open their season against Western State victorious 38 to 13. If you have any idea who Western State is, congratulations to you. Google does not. Google literally has no icon for Western State if you look it up. And if Google doesn't know, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, then they played at uh, the University of Utah at Idaho's or sorry, they played at the University of Utah 31 nothing. They played Northern Iowa and this is where I thought maybe they had a little something. They 13 to 6 at Northern Iowa at the Uni Dome. Uh, that is not at Cedar Falls, Iowa. That is not an easy place to win. That is a tough game, especially at that level. So I thought, wow, seven points. Hmm, maybe something. Then they went out and played Portland State. The Vikings, they beat them 51 to 24. So here they are. They're two and two. And I'm thinking, well, maybe there's something. Maybe there's something. Tough game against Northern Iowa. Here's the part where it got really interesting. This is why I watched them against Montana. I was like, wow, they're playing at Montana. Montana, traditional powerhouse, tough team. So Idaho State goes there. And in the first quarter, they absolutely dominate. They get out to a 20 to nothing lead against the Grizz. And they didn't. It wasn't a fluke. They were dominant. They were killing Montana in Montana. Killing them. 20 to nothing. And then this crazy thing happened. Over the last two and a half quarters, Montana scored 49 straight points. Or excuse me, 59 straight points. They won 59 to 20. So, wow. <laughs> it's like Montana woke up. Something happened. Idaho State then beat North Dakota at home, 55-20. They lost at the Kibbe Dome to Iowa, Idaho, and they lost uh, 45-21. They lose to Southern Utah, 59-34. Northern Colorado gets the best of Idaho State, 26-20. Eastern Washington, 48-5. Oh, baby. That's a four-game losing streak. They've lost five out of the last six. Okay. They come in to the season with a total of three victories and they have lost seven games. They're three and seven coming in. They're going to finish playing at BYU at Weber state. They're going to probably finish the season on six straight losses. I know probably about that. They're definitely losing to BYU and Weber. That is absolutely happening. Um, so, 
we talked a little bit about motivations as it relates to BYU and as it relates to Idaho State um, and as it related to Liberty. Liberty came in as an okay team. Uh, they came in and they were here to, to play the biggest game of their program and to really make their mark. And, and they really acquitted themselves well. The motivation for Idaho State in this one is, is <laughs> if you're an Idaho State player, right, you're coming because the team needs, you're just investing in the future. The team needs a check. You know, we'll play. We'll play a little bit, um, but the the bigger thing is is and and if you're BYU, the whole thing is is just stomp them out. Don't give them any hope. Stomp them out in that first quarter. Let's get out of here with as few injuries as we can, and and, and let's go. This is the one thing. This is a, a big thing. Not one. There's more. It's a big thing that you could levy against Independence late in the season. <clears throat> You have these games, like what's coming the next two weeks, Idaho State and UMass. And you're going to have these games later in the year. And sometimes, you know, when you're in a conference and you got to, like, we'd, we'd finish up and we'd have a game against, you know, uh, somebody not good, right? Let's say Colorado State was having an off year. You're playing at Colorado State late in the year. That's okay. You're still running for a conference championship. You got to handle your business and be fine. Um when you play these FCS teams like in Idaho State, first of all, the Cougars almost never did it. Uh, almost exclusively played uh, teams in the same division of football as them. That changed in like 2008. They had their first game against Eastern Washington. Max Hall and the boys handled those people uh, with no with no problem. Um, and, and they did it like in the second week of the season. Since independence, the Cougars have had an FCS team on their schedule every single year. And not only that, they've had them play during November. It's been a way to fill out the schedule. And, you know, there's one game a year where we're going to have to watch it happen. Now, Idaho State is not the worst of these FCS teams we've ever come through. That championship belt will forever be held. <laughs> forever be held. By Savannah State. That's the worst team that BYU's ever played in the history of its program, at least in the modern history of its program. Um, the, the the fact of the matter is, is that we've got this game against Idaho State. It's a money game. It's to sell some hot dogs and some hot chocolate, maybe a couple t-shirts and hats. Like, that's why. So if you're going, the reason you go is to get your family out of the house, to enjoy a little fanfare out there, maybe meet Cosmo, hear the band play, maybe if you're into hearing Pretty Fly for a white guy played by a college marching band. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think what'll happen is, is, is you know, BYU should, should be just fine. I, I don't really see any real issues here. I take no stock into, you know, what... The score needs to be. There's people saying, well, if Utah beat them by 31, then the Cougars ought to beat them by more, you know, and my, yeah, I, I don't really care. The bigger thing is, is just get your win and try to get out of there with as few injuries as possible. And uh, if possible, you know, give give some reps to guys that um, you worry about knowing your scheme well enough. Like there's lots of these guys on the football team where you're like, 
if I call a play in there, are we sure they're going to be doing the right thing at all times? But you look at them and physically you like it and you see that they're working their tails off. Like you're not going to play that guy over, over say like a Peyton Wilger. But if you throw him in and just kind of see what you have, that'll be good. So to me, it's, this is all about that first quarter. The Cougars should be preparing. They should come out and execute. They should do everything that they need to do to put this thing away, make Idaho State play timidly, make them not want to have to tackle, make them want to, you know, make get it out of hand quick, and then get to a point where you can bring in backups and you can try some funky stuff and, and, and see kind of where you're at. Um, so that that's kind of you know a real a real simple thing. And the other one is is you know you got to get like if you can get Joe Critchlow in there. And, you know, I wouldn't, if it were me, I wouldn't necessarily worry about bringing Zach Wilson back, although that's been a topic of conversation. I, I would try to limit exposure. Um, again, I don't know why we're, if he's totally healthy, fine, but if we're rushing things back to get a chance against Idaho State, I guess that's okay because maybe it can be a more controlled environment, but it would be a darn shame to kind of go... <laughs> go out there and bring him back against a team like Idaho State. Um, the last bit is, of course, it's senior day. Uh, I did a quick scan through my mind about uh, who are the Cougars that I will uh, miss. And I think, without question, the, the senior that should get the biggest applause, the biggest amount of cheers... Uh, the player that absolutely is the the kind of the headline player um, for Senior Day has to be Diane Guanwoloku. Uh, Guanwoloku has been outstanding. He has been a force as a defensive back for all four years. He's played uh, all over the field. He's played left corner. He's played right corner. He's played both safety spots. The guy has been absolute force. He scores defensive touchdowns. They put him in in the rugby, and he scores in there. I mean, the guy, I think, would be an awesome wide receiver. I think he'd be, he, with how physical he was, I think he could play linebacker if he wanted to. I think if he was at TCU, that would have been his destiny. They would have made him a, an outside linebacker, and, and with that sort of speed, holy crap, right? I think that he would have been, uh, he's just a great football player. And he certainly has been the best senior that BYU has had. Um, of all the seniors going, uh, he, he probably is the one that's most deserving of kind of the most accolade and, and the one that you should feel like, wow, I, I had a really good time, really enjoyed watching uh, Diane Guamaloku uh, play. I, I, he was outstanding. Right. I mean, carried himself well on the field. He played hard. He was an awesome open field tackler. If he if he forced a turnover, if he scooped a, a, a fumble or if he picked it off, like there was a pretty good chance he was going to score. He was just outstanding. He's an outstanding player. So uh, credit to him. And I think that uh, we should be uh, grateful for his efforts. Otherwise, you know, there, there aren't that many like maybe the second kind of loudest cheer would I think it'd probably be Aleva Hifo. Uh he's been good. Aleva Hifo's been good. He's put together a, a good career. Um he's he's you know, he's been fine. 
<laughs> I, I, I think he's gotten better every single year. And to his credit, he's worked very hard. He's gotten better every single year. We'll see what sort of numbers he does over the last three years. He's kind of in the mold of like a, a Mitchell Jurgens uh, type player. So, uh, but he did more to like kind of run with the football and, and, and those sort of things. So that that's kind of a uh, Hifo has been good on the offensive side. He he'll be the guy that kind of is the most, um, you know, with the biggest kind of, uh, impact on the program during his time. It's probably been a Levahifo. Um, so there you go. Those are those are the two seniors that we honor uh, on the show. Uh, it'll it'll be uh, interesting to see them go. And the, and the one that I think is real special, the one that you know, I'm ne- I'm never going to be bouncing my kids on my knee and talking about a Levahifo. I I may. I there's arguments to be made that if you made an all time too deep. All time too deep. I think one of your DBs might be Diane Lake, Diane Gualaloku. Uh He's been, he's been awesome. He he's been that kind of special. So there you go. Cougars should handle their business the first quarter. Try to get out of this thing. Uh, get some experience for guys who haven't been on the field as much, and, and just try to get out of this thing uh, unscathed, uh, and try to get to a point where. We can uh, we can f- kind of wrap up that one and then go play a team that might be worse, might be even worse than Idaho State. We we can go play at UMass uh, the following week. So that's kind of where we're at for this week. That is this week's Cougar Cast. We'll leave it there. I have one other thing I just want to announce right here at the end for you faithful listener that has made it. Exactly, and if you look at it, 30 minutes into this podcast, okay? You've made it exactly to that point. I want you to know I appreciate you very much. Here's what I'm going to share with you. My plan as the decade ends is I want to have a series of special podcasts where we're going to talk about all things Cougar, BYU, and football and basketball where we're going to do an all-decade team. We're going to do all-decade moments. We're going to have all sorts of different categories where we try to sum up kind of the biggest things and kind of put a bow on the 2010s so that people can really understand what happened during the 2010s. Hopefully it'll be some sort of evergreen uh, document that exists in some way so that people can know uh, what the 2010s was for BYU football and for BYU basketball. So here is what I'm going to ask you to do if you want to, if you want to be involved. What I'm looking at is I want to name an all, and I'm not going to get too far down the depth chart. I'm just going to do the starting team. All right. So I need you to go through and look at the 2010s, and name your starting quarterback. Name your starting running back. There's only one option there. Jamal Williams. There's literally, it's the most slam dunk thing we have on the list. I need two, you know what? I'll even say three wide receivers. We'll go with the slot. Then we need uh, a tight end. Uh, I need you to tell me who your your best offensive linemen are for the decade. Uh, send me f- who you think were probably the five best offensive linemen. And then go defensive side. I want two defensive tackles, two defensive ends, 
two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers. I want two corners and I want two safeties. List that out for me. Send it in to me. I will. And then make your arguments. If you're making some argument in there, like I would love it if somebody wrote me, this is, this would be a me move because it's a personal favorite. Just a little insight here. Um, if I was picking my personal favorites, it'd be different than who deserves to be the all-time, the all-decade team member. But it would be awesome, right? For instance, like Christian Stewart. I loved Christian Stewart. He was so fun. I love Christian Stewart. To to write in and say Christian Stewart should be the quarterback for the all-decade team, even though he only started eight games and he went four and four. <laughs> if you have some crazy hot take like that, about who ought to be in and who ought to be out and things like that. I want to hear it. So if you can, write me, cougarcast at gmail.com. If you want to just send it quickly, you can direct message it to me at, uh, at cougarcast on Twitter, or you can even just tweet it for the public to see at cougarcast. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I, it's been a project that I've been working on for uh, about six weeks now, trying to go through and, and remember all the games and remember all the moments, kind of write down these things. I'm planning on putting it together and have it kind of be more of a uh, more of a written, less free form type podcast type thing. So uh, get those to me. We're going to be launching that hopefully the week of Thanksgiving. So you have a little bit of time, but go through and look at your all time football. And then I I'll have other categories like <clears throat> like the moment, the play, <clears throat> the game of the decade, the loss of the decade, and uh. I want to I want to kind of create this little thing that does that. So and then for basketball as well, uh, if you if you want to turn in, you know, your your three guards, your two bigs, your three bigs, your two guard, however you want to do it. Um, and then, you know, if you want it, we'll do we'll do 10 players. Well, actually 12. We'll fill out the whole bench for the all decade team for the BYU basketball team. So if you want to send me your 12 BYU basketball team members who should make it from this decade, um, please do so. And I will take all that into advisement. Again, game of the year, moment of the year, uh, loss of the decade. <laughs> and uh, what ifs? Oh boy, I love what ifs, right? Uh, so things like, what if Eric Mika would have stayed? Uh, that's a great what if to kind of think about. What about this one? Here's a little, here's a sneaky what if that I think most people forget. But what if Tyler Hawes wouldn't have served a mission and you had Tyler Hawes' scoring during that 2010-2011 season? You have his scoring instead of Charles Abuo. And so when you lose Brandon Davies, you still have Tyler Hawes' scoring. Because remember, as a sophomore, that dude scored like 20 points a game. He was an absolute killer course. You know Tyler Hawes, how great he is. What a great what if, Right. What maybe the Cougars get by Florida? I mean, it took double overtime to get rid of a Cougar team that was playing Logan Magnuson at center uh, and James Anderson at center. So what would have happened? Plus then Elite Eight, right? That's another great what if. Elite Eight, yet Butler. Final Four game. Who knows? Could have been interesting. We could have had Kemba versus Jimmer in the final. That would have been fun. Okay. You know, what if Brandon Davies doesn't get suspended? <laughs> right? That one's kind of a hard one. But uh, as always, all what ifs like are just fun hypotheticals. 
So any of these, and then if you have a category, if you want any of these things, I'm open to it all. I want you guys to, to throw that out there if you want to. If you have any passion about it, if you want to make an argument uh, that screams to me that, uh, I like, I mean, get in the weeds with it, you know. Uh, Brady Christensen is the greatest left tackle in the history of BYU football. That would be, I'm ready for it. Send me that email. So, cougarcast at gmail.com. Reach out to me. Uh, also on Twitter, at cougarcast. Uh, please check out vanquishthefoe.com. And also, uh, we're going to talk a little more about BYU basketball next week, but we're working on the all-decade teams. That's coming soon. I hope you'll enjoy them very much. We began this process, and uh, if you want to be involved in that, please jump in. All right, thank you again so much for for being a a listener to the show. Uh, Really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you to our sponsor, Waveform Sleep. Go check them out, waveformsleep.com. Sign up for their email list. You'll be among the first to know about their new product launch. Go Cougars!